Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Valley sports fans, good morning. Planet Orange, I would say happy Tuesday, but that would be a bald-faced lie, and it's a little too early for that nonsense. Right, Vinny? Yes. <laughs> I am Dan Bickley, <laughs> live from Denver, Colorado. Vince Murata back at home in our studios, and yeah, do we have, uh, we've got some wreckage to sift through today. How about it? Huh? Oh, a lot of wreckage. Grab, uh, grab your uh, shovels, grab your hard hat. Uh, there's a lot to break down today and i'll just put this out there there's no way to quantify this there's no official ranking of this but in all of my years of watching phoenix suns basketball which really started in 1979 Mm -hmm. that is close to the top of the list of the most frustrating games i've ever watched yeah the frustration meter was yeah it was about to explode i agree with you that and and because we all know i'm a team player and a solution driven kind of guy um i thought i'd help the suns out this morning and i and i got on uh i i I leaned into some artificial artificial intelligence and i and i asked i asked um chat gpt or whatever that thing is yeah that's it uh, yeah, how to help the Suns come back against the Denver Nuggets. Would you like to hear what the response was? Oh, please. Number one, adjust the game plan. The Suns may need to adjust their game plan to better counter the strength of the Nuggets. Number two, get Devin Booker going. Hmm. Number three, <laughs> improve rebounding. Number four, limit turnovers. The Suns cannot afford to give away the ball at critical moments in the game. Number five, find role players who can contribute. So now we're talking, right, Vinny? Then AI says, in addition to Booker, the Suns need other players to step up and make key contributions. Players like Cameron Payne, Mikhail Bridges, and Jay Crowder can make a difference with their shooting. <laughs> well, that intelligence is artificial. Uh, so I read that and I thought, out of a job. exactly. I thought I am no longer afraid of AI. If it can't even help the Suns burrow out of this hole, then, then maybe it's it not going to destroy humanity after all. It is funny, though, the first three quarters of that. Was pretty, I mean, it, it was very generic, but it, it's, it's just the same stuff you hear on you know these national TV shows, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah, not that's wrong. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and look, it's not wrong about the role players stepping up and making no. a contribution. It's just that's that a right. couple of those role players are no longer here. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So remember, Phoenix for all the for all the Suns fans who were just out of their minds last night. For all the Suns fans who are going to be in a bad mood today, just remember. Your team has not played a home game yet. All is not lost just yet. Start the show, Ferret. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. 
The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Phoenix Suns in a hole after a 97-87 loss to the Denver Nuggets in Game 2. Yes, that was actually a score of a playoff game in the year 2023. (laughs) Uh, Suns led after the first, second, and third quarters of a close defensive game, but outscored 27-14 in the final quarter to seal their fate. Nikola Jokic, 39 points, 16 rebounds to fuel the victory in Kentavious Caldwell Pope went four for four from three-point range, including three huge makes in the fourth quarter. Devin Booker at 35 to lead the Suns. Kevin Durant with a very inefficient 24. And Phoenix lost point guard Chris Paul to a groin injury in the third quarter. He did not return. This is the first time the Suns are 0-2 in a series for uh, since the 2010 Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. If there is a silver lining in all of this, then maybe that extended rest will pay off. Game three, not for a few days. As the scene shifts to the Valley, we'll see the Suns and Nuggets Friday night for a little Cinco de Mayo showdown game three at Footprint Center. Yeah, really, really good point. If if, if, a, if ever there was a basketball team begging for a three-day break, it would be our Phoenix Suns. Yes. Or as you would say, your Phoenix Suns. Yeah, they're not mine. They're yours. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not ours. <laughs> yes, uh, right. They're surprise, yours. Surprise, surprise. The Philadelphia 76ers playing on the road without likely MVP Joel Embiid. Figured not to stand much of a chance against the mighty Boston Celtics, but James Harden had other ideas. The former Sun Devil pumped in 45 points, including a huge three with under 10 seconds to play to help the Sixers to a 119-115 win at TD Garden to grab a 1-0 series lead. Tyrese Maxey added 26 points, including two on a just one of the worst one of the worst passes in the history of the Boston Celtics. Oh, it, it, under the <laughs> under extreme duress as well. That was fascinating to you know watch, that, wasn't it? That Malcolm Brogdon pass reminded me of Bick. Remember Gene Smith of Georgetown in the final against North Carolina, just freezing up and throwing the ball to James Worthy. I, I thought that was Fred Brown who did that. Was it Fred Brown? Yeah, Fred Brown. He was the guy. Yes, ah, you're just, right. You're right. I passed the ball right to James Worthy. Yes, it was exactly like that. Yep. Yeah. Listen, that that I did not expect to be watching that last night, and what a no. moment for James Harden. Huh? Just as he was starting to kind of tweet titter or Twitter on a, a rel. Excuse me, there. <laughs> Teeter on a relevance. Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely Twittering. Uh, game two of that series Wednesday night in Boston. Tonight we'll see the uh, see action in the other two NBA playoff series. The Heat already up one nothing against the Hicks. Tr- uh, the Hicks. <laughs> Jeez. What, what, what show is this? What are we doing? <laughs> the New York Hicks, Hicks. hosting the Heat that. tonight at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> there is a Long Island town named Hicksville. There is. Uh, they'll try to win game two tonight at MSG, 4.30 on TNT. That'll be followed by Lakers-Warriors game one at Chase Center in San Francisco at 7, also on TNT. It's the first time those two teams have met in the playoffs since 1991 in the uh, conference semifinals, a series won by the Lakers in four games. The Cardinals have reportedly declined to pick up the fifth-year option on linebacker Isaiah Simmons' rookie deals. That deadline hit on Monday afternoon. Simmons was the eighth overall pick out of Clemson in 2020. Still trying to find a consistent 
consistent role on defense. He has amassed 258 tackles, seven and a half sacks, seven forced fumbles, and picked off four passes in his first three years with the Cardinals. So we'll have some reaction to that today. Uh, Cardinals also have come to terms on contracts with 10 undrafted free agents, among them former ASU linebacker and Scottsdale Saguaro star Kyle Soley, who was a three-year team captain for the Sun Devils. They also signed former TCU running back Amari DiMarcado, who ran for 150 yards and a touchdown on the Horn Frogs national semifinal win over Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl back in uh, December. Diamondbacks continue their five-game road trip tonight in Arlington against the American League West-leading Texas Rangers. Zach Gallen brings his 28-inning scoreless streak to the mound against former Colorado Rocky John Gray. First pitch, 5.05. Pre-game coverage starts at 4.30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. D-backs also swung a trade on Monday. They've acquired left-handed pitcher Connor Pilkington from the Cleveland Guardians for future considerations. 25 years old is Pilkington. Uh, saw very brief work out of the bullpen for Cleveland, but did make 11 starts for the Guardians last season. Uh, he was optioned to AAA Reno. How about this story? Bryce Harper has been cleared to return for Philadelphia just 160 days after having Tommy John surgery. Now, he is only going to be in the lineup as Philly's DH today, but it's the quickest return from John, Tommy John surgery on record. The old record was 182 days by Tony Womack when he was with wow. the Cardinals in 2004. So it's not pitchers coming back. That's what I say. It does seem quick. different if it's a position player. But still, that is a major surgery. And they didn't yeah. expect Bryce Harper to be back until July. Today's May 2nd. Kudos to him. Uh, the New Jersey Devils blanked the New York Rangers 4-0 in Game 7 of their first-round Stanley Cup playoff series. The game was scoreless midway through the second, but the Devils dominated from there. And rookie goalie Akira Schmid, 31 saves for his second shutout in the last three games. Devils' first series win since 2012. They move on to take on Carolina in the next round starting Wednesday night. And another transfer headed to play hoops at ASU. Tulsa's Bryant Celebungi. Come on down. <laughs> Celebungi is a six foot nine forward. He averaged 12 points and 9.2 rebounds per game for the Golden Hurricane. Singular last year. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday morning. And guess what we're going to talk about next? Hmm. A strange, frustrating 48-minute journey in Denver for the Phoenix Suns, and they're down 0-2. That is Straight Ahead. Bickley is live in Denver here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rebounded by Jokic. That's his 16th board to go with 39 points. He brings it into the forecourt and dribbles out the remainder of the clock. The final score, Nuggets win 97-87. They get game one by double figures. They get game two by double figures. And this series shifts to Phoenix with the Suns down 0-2 for the first time in a series since 2010. John Blum with the final call from Ball Arena last night. Uh, weird, weird basketball game. It was uh, exempt from rules, basically, in the first half for both yeah. teams. I mean, it was rest. And, and basically football out there for the first half. The second half, the Suns get it going offensively in the third quarter and then hit a wall. They lose Chris Paul along the way uh, late in the third quarter. That completely changed the complexion of the game, the way that it was trending. Um, but a lot of soul-searching needs to be done with the Suns, and they have a lot of things to, to answer to as they come
come back for Game yeah. Three on, on on Friday night, Bick? Well, the fundamental question is: is we all knew coming into the series, the Suns had to win one game in Denver. Somehow, somewhere, someplace, uh-huh. they had to win one game in Denver. And what better opportunity would they have? Are they going to have? than last night. Now, that's that's conventional logic because it was a night where Jamal Murray was absolutely atrocious. It was a night where the Suns kind of responded in in some areas of deficiencies from Game 1 and a game that they seemed to be surging ahead of and in control of in the third quarter. Um, and, and so that that's really kind of where this thing gets really, really hard to digest because this thing was right there for the taking and, and it, you could kind of feel it the way that the Nuggets were missing all those shots in the first half, and and, and he just it, the separation in the first half wasn't what you wanted it to be. But in the third quarter, the Suns had some flow going, and, and I felt really good that they're going to steal this game. And for that thing to kind of turn the way that it did, yeah, it hurts. It hurts bad. So yeah. now, go ahead. I'm sorry, Vic, but uh, no. I mean the feeling that I had, and I texted a friend after the first quarter. The Suns led 21 to 18 after the first quarter, and it felt like an absolute missed opportunity to be up like 15 points and really maybe you know going to cruise control a bit offensively. You know the, the Nuggets struggled so badly on offense. 18 points, they shot 40 percent. They actually outshot the Suns, who shot 37 mm. percent, and it, you know that was the indication that this was going to be a slow a rock fight, whatever terminology you want to use. But I agree with you that that was maybe the best opportunity. You do have to win a road game when you don't have home court advantage to advance. And if you're going to have a game where Jamal Murray went from the best player in the series to maybe the worst player on the floor last yeah. night offensively, yeah. and that's saying something, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't take advantage of it in a game where Michael Porter Jr. really didn't contribute much, uh, Nikola Jokic was fantastic. KCP had some big points. But I, I just think it was a big 48-minute missed opportunity for the Suns. Yeah, and, and uh, yes, that's exactly what it was because on, on a lot of different levels, the, the Nuggets kind of confirmed kind of their shakiness in, in what, I, what I – when I questioned their pedigree, last night is a classic example. And, and I think that that basketball team surely sounded like they were getting ahead of themselves after game one, and, and it kind of looked in their play last night. So – uh, it was really, really odd to see the Nuggets play eight men last night where the Suns went 11 deep. Um, it, I, I thought that Monty Williams got away with a lot by uh, this, this series of strange rotations in the first half and to, and to get out of the first half with the lead. I thought, okay, that's good. You, you can serve some minutes and you're still ahead. But who knows where the game might have been had you, you know, had this rotation been set. And, and that's, that's one of the things that, that I'm kind of perturbed about. Uh, and, and I haven't lost hope yet. I, I I think it's nonsense for people to be throwing up their and, and of course we're getting clapped back on because I had confidence in the Suns going into the series. People are clapping back on me like, oh, how do you feel now? How do I feel now? The Suns haven't played a home game yet in the series. How do I feel now? Yeah, that in a game that the Suns should have won and it should be one one going home. How do I feel now? <laughs> that, that to me, it, uh, that to me is the amateur side of this whole thing. That that that, and again, it's reason why a championship needs to come to Phoenix because this fan base gets thrown off their mark like few other fan bases I've ever seen. Um, I mean, are people are people watching this and saying, oh "My goodness, the Denver Nuggets are unbeatable"? No, I mean, well, if, of course, if, if you're coming to that conclusion, you're not. I mean. You're 
you're, you're not watching closely, or, or maybe this is not within your realm of understanding. This is still a very winnable series for the Suns. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, if you're given a, an opinion on anything, there's the scorekeepers that oh, are yeah. going to come back. Yeah. Oh, you, you were wrong. Well, get, guess what? You're going to be wrong. Predictions are not wrong until the series is over. Absolutely. I don't know how much how much simpler you can make that for people, but but you know how they are. All right, and and you know how disappointment and heartbreak manifest yes. itself, and people are looking to 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 lash out at somebody and something. And I totally get that, and that's fine. Um, it, it, I have a, a feeling it, it's pretty clear to me that Chris Paul is not coming back on Friday. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that, but for him to not be able, not even being able to push off on that groin injury last night makes me feel like here we go again with Chris Paul. This I may be out of line for saying this. I may be way wrong for saying this. This might not be as bad as you think. I, I'm not certain they weren't trying to hide Chris Paul many, many different instances during this postseason. And, and there have been moments when he's good, and there have been moments when he's been contributing, and his shot looked good last night. But but I do not think this is a deal-breaker for the Suns, personally. Now, I, clearly, clearly they need people to step up, and Monty Williams needs to get this rotation straight, and he needs to know where to look to get this done. Let's focus on that. My takeaway last night, and you mentioned it, going 11 deep in game two of a playoff series and just kind of grasping at whoever was on the bench available, not everybody got in. I mean, still no Terrence Ross, still no T.J. Warren, and Suns fans were relieved that Landry Shamit didn't get the sweats off last night. But that's, this is game 89 for the Phoenix Suns this year, counting the regular season. You can't be auditioning players for roles in key playoff games in game 89. You're right. Michael Malone has the luxury of knowing that Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green are the three guys off the Mm -hmm. bench. They know what they're counted on to do every single Mm -hmm. night. This is not a 100% Monty Williams failure in the now. This is partially him. This is certainly partially James Jones, who acquired four players at the trade deadline, and one of them is playing. That's not how championship teams attack the trade deadline. And this is partially and mostly on those players who are playing with such a lack of confidence right now, Bick. It is alarming. They don't even look like professionals sometimes. They freeze up. That's a great point. Damien Lee, 26 minutes, zero points. Yeah. And listen, and he, and he was active, and he played decent defense, and and he kept a, and he crashed the glass, and he kept some rebounds alive. He had three offensive rebounds with that tactic. So Damian Lee did some valuable things, but you've got to make some shots. And yes, and, yes, and and to me, when you take a look at and and I love the way you just that was a perfect summary, Vinny. When, when you look at this basketball team, and, and you've got guys on the floor who are passing up wide open six foot shots in the lane, you, you, you've got to get you got to cut that out. And, and you've got to play the players who are not afraid of the moment. It, you mentioned a couple guys on the bench. As, as Monty Williams went 11 deep last night, it, it, he has two guys on his bench who have no conscience whatsoever when it comes to shooting the basketball. Terrence Ross, T.J. Warren. It, it, why why the, why he hasn't recognized that is beyond me. And, and you're absolutely right about this auditioning thing. This is, this is getting a little crazy here because, you know... It, in Denver here, a lot of people were wondering why Why did the Nuggets sort of wobble to the finish line? Well, people will tell you, Mike Malone was taking a lot of these games to try to figure this out, to try to figure who is my bench going to be. And as you said, it's very clear to everyone on the Nuggets who is doing what and when they're doing it. 
and, and and that difference juxtaposed to Monty Williams is quite something. And and this is not going to end well for Monty Williams if they don't find a way to, to to find a different level in this in this series. Now, Isaiah Thomas was in the building again last night. Vinny, I wonder if they could ask him to play some point guard. <laughs> well, I mean, going back to that point about the deadline dealings, the Denver Nuggets got Reggie Jackson at the trade deadline. He's not playing. Mm. Reggie Jackson was a thorn in the side of the Suns in the playoffs two years ago. Nothing's changed. I get it. But you don't think Reggie Jackson could have found a role and some minutes and the current construction of the Phoenix Suns? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's very frustrating. Uh, But, I mean, it's it's almost laughable now at how little the Suns are getting offensively from their bench. I mean, they oh. got four points from their bench in over 70 combined minutes. That's frightening. That is really, really frightening. And, and again, there was a there was a time in the third quarter where the offense was flowing. It seemed like the Suns yes. kind of kind of had a formula. They were running certain actions, and, and and I thought, okay, this is going to be this is going to be exactly the statement they need to make. And it slipped away from them. This is this is where a basketball team's sturdiness gets tested like really no other sport in my opinion when when you go home down 0-2 and you know you have to win two games at home the pressure is intense when you do it you can create a lot of um, reverse pressure on the other team this is what's in front of them now and I, I doubt Kevin Durant is ever going to be 10 for 27 in the postseason again he is too pedigreed of a basketball player um, I'm not giving up on this team yet because like you both have said the Nuggets are good they've got uh, some superstar talent at the top but I, I again I think this team is still beatable even with what the Suns are dealing yeah, with. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers heading to State Farm Stadium with special guest The Strokes on May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next yes we're talking about it again for the third straight postseason an injury to Chris Paul. What's going on there, and how can the Suns combat that? Straight ahead on Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Nuggets now. And Chris Paul limping into the locker room. Obviously moves large for Phoenix. Chris Paul had to gingerly walk into the locker room. You see him clutching at his groin a couple of minutes ago. He limped his way off the floor. Spiro Adidas on TNT. Third quarter is when that happened, when Chris Paul was starting to heat up, get more involved offensively. Uh, but at the end of the third quarter, clutching his left groin, uh, did not come back to the the uh, the game. I don't even know if he came back to the bench, Bick. I mean, you were there, did he? Actually? Yeah, no, I didn't know he did yeah, not. I don't think he did uh, either. And uh, obviously, it it affected um, the the remainder of that game. But you kind of referenced it. You wrote about it on Arizona Sports. Here we go again, Vic. Yeah, and yeah. This, here we go again. When third this, straight postseason that Chris Paul has gone down with an injury, and it, it's 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 a shame. It's tired. I feel terrible for him. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's this is this. 
I, I can't think of another comp like this, another player who has had this bad, this much bad luck in the postseason over the span of two decades. Yeah, they just flashed it up on uh, ESPN's Get Up. I mean, the, the the vast number of injuries that Chris Paul has had. We knew that when the Suns got him, and you're like, okay, roll the dice. Let's see what happens. Maybe it's just bad luck. And maybe it is just bad luck, but the amount mm-hmm. of bad luck that that man has in yep. the postseason is ridiculous because it was seemingly an innocuous play. You know, he's going up trying to defend uh, you know, a, a shot, and it, it didn't look like a, an awkward no. step or anything, but you no. could tell right away something was wrong because he starts grasping it. And, you know, it, it did affect the game. Devin Booker talked about losing CP3 after the game. Yeah, um, I mean, it's an unfortunate event, obviously. Um, I, mean, I don't know what it is yet. You know, I haven't really got to talk to him, but you know, all we can do is hope he you know, has a speedy recovery. Um, we're going to be behind him. We're going to hold it down while he's out, um, or if he's out. And we'll just take it from there. Yeah, normally speaking, if you, if you rewind two years ago, Going into the uh, the Western Conference Finals after the Suns disposed of the Denver Nuggets in four games, you get the news up. Ah, Chris Paul got COVID, and they relied on Cameron Payne. That version of Cameron Payne was a lot different from the 2023 version of Cameron Payne. There's, yeah, but there, there's not really you know from a point guard standpoint, but there's not a lot of confidence in anybody to come in and, and play that position no, right now. That no, was the and, last good version of Cameron Payne, really. Really, consistently. Well, listen, I I, I think I think Cameron Payne can can I think he can rise to this moment, let me put it that way, because I've seen it happen before, and now granted, he's not the same dude he was a couple years ago, I get all that, um, but he's going to have to be part of whatever solution Monty Williams comes up with, because the big thing here is, is where do you go with Devin Booker in the point guard position? Because, the shame of it all to me, Vinny, is that when Chris Paul um, was injured, like I said, his shot was looking good, but more importantly, the Suns ball movement was looking really good, mm-hmm. and then one once that once he left, Devin Booker took over, and 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 seemed things seemed to be going okay for a while. But man, did they hit a wall! But Devin Booker got tired. Kevin Durant kept missing open looks, good looks, and the whole thing just broke apart. So, um, it, so Monty Williams is going to have to find a way to address this without without making the team any weaker, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to address it in a way that doesn't completely, fully tax Devin Booker. He's already being asked to do a whole lot. And so I, I, it, this is, I, I think what Monty Williams does with, schematically between now and Game 3 may largely determine whether or not he is employed by the Phoenix Suns next year. I, I, I mean, that's that's certainly something that's looming over the rest of this series, and something that we can get into later. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, and and, and we're not advocating for it. We're no, just no, being, no, 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 we're no. being real here. And listen, because I said earlier, Isaiah Thomas was in the arena again last night, and and they're trying to low pro it. They're not really like they're not inside the locker room with the team. But if you're Monty Williams, this can't be the most comfortable thing in the world. You know what I mean? To have a guy that that Matt Ishbia wanted to install, but then, oh, no, no, we're not going to hire him. We're not hiring him. We're not hiring him. We're just going to have him show up at all the games. We're not hiring him. I mean, the the, the flap about that was was immediate. It was 
it was loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suns reversed course. They right. <laughs> they did right. So I don't Isaiah Thomas being in the building. I don't know if that's a threat to Monty Williams because you know no, if, you, if you're going to hire Isaiah Thomas as a front office guy, that's one thing. But as a coach, but, yeah, no, 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 no. no. I, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm saying you. Isaiah Thomas as the guy who might be advising Matt Ishbia or or charting the the future course of this organization. It, it's it it's an element that that doesn't need to be there. I, yeah. It just adds pressure. Not that Isaiah Thomas sure. would ever coach the team. Okay. I'm not saying that. Okay, I, I'm just saying the presence of of somebody who is obviously um, has the ear of the owner, a- and the owner trusts very very deeply. You can tell that my I'm sure Monty Williams feels like okay, I'm I'm under a microscope here, and and it, it can't. I just say it, it can't be a comfortable feeling for him. No, it that's just true. Cannot. Uh, going back to the Chris Paul injury in a four minute and fifty eight span before the injury occurred, Chris Paul had hit three of his three shots, six points, a rebound, two assists. The Suns were humming offensively in the third quarter. They shot seventy percent. It looked like they might win the game going away at that point, and uh, you know CP three leaves the game and everything changes monty williams on the chris paul injury yeah it just looked like he was boxing out and um he just came up where he couldn't push off of it or anything so we're not quite sure what it is right now but it seems to be something in the growing area so we'll find out more tomorrow. Yeah, now asked if he will have an MRI last night. Monty Williams said they didn't know at that point, so we'll update you on any information that, that, that comes down at this point. But, you know, looking forward to game five or game three on Friday, if Chris Paul can't go, I, I don't know if it's just as easy for Monty Williams is saying, all right, campaign, you're the starting point guard now. I, I'm not No. I'm not there yet. No, I, I, a, I don't hey, think that's the answer. Book, you're running the show, mm-hmm. and Josh Akogi, you're playing the two, and Torrey Craig is back in the starting lineup. Or, or you know, maybe Damian Lee with some of his hustle plays. I mean, he didn't hit a shot. He missed his corner threes. He committed one of the most boneheaded fouls you'll ever see a player commit in, in a postseason game oh, yeah. in the third quarter. Yep. That really affected the momentum, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, but there's. What do you do when you when you have to choose an option and none of them are very good? Oh, I, yeah. Listen, yeah, I, I I do think again, and the thing the, the thing about going back to the well, like okay, so here's Landry Shamit, who's making a lot of money, who the Suns had a lot of expectations for, um, who who made his only shot, but it really hasn't been impactful. He's sitting there. Terrence Ross is sitting there. Yeah, Damian Lee's coming off a 25 minute performance in which he. Was scoreless, and, and you're you're talking now about do you have? Uh, not, you're right. None of these options look particularly good. I and, and it almost it almost reminds me back in the day. You remember when Jason Kidd got hurt before a playoff series against the San Antonio Spurs, and uh-huh. Gary Colangelo picked up the phone and called Kevin Johnson yes. and said, "KJ, you do me a favor. Are you in shape?" Yeah, Jerry, what's up? Can you come and just play point guard for us? Yeah. I, I don't. I, I, so they've gotten crazy with this stuff in the past. I I just. I think the Suns are going to have to embrace this uh, the best they can, and I think I think Devin Booker is going to have to start at point. I think maybe KD is going to have to bring the ball up a little bit. Campaign is going to have to he's going to have to take this and run with this literally and and figuratively, and 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 maybe maybe if you can find a formula that that increases the pace, maybe you can get out of this thing with a couple wins at home and see where this whole thing is going. Maybe uh, maybe. Yeah, it, Big I mean, maybe it's nothing's ideal right now. That's no. for sure. And if this had happened uh, in you know 
early April before the, the postseason rosters were due to be set, mm-hmm. maybe the Suns do go out and think outside the box. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin well, Johnson's been in a couple games yeah. late. I'm just joking. Well, but, no, there, right. There's no, I mean, now there's nothing you can do. It's the guys in that room that need to mm-hmm. look at themselves and, and pick up their, their, their level of play. You can score the hottest ticket at Town Suns playoff tickets. Just text ticket to 62620. Register and listen for your name. Starting tomorrow at, uh, during the 7 a.m., noon, and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets. That's ticket to 62620. Coming up next, the Arizona the Cardinals making some news yesterday uh, on a contract decision and maybe, just maybe, a wide receiver staying in town. We'll get into all of it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on this Tuesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, he obviously has a very unique skill set. A lot of guys uh, that that look like him can't do what he can do. So uh, just excited to get on the grass with him and, and see what he's comfortable with, with what we're going to ask him to do. And, and um, yeah, just excited to see how he fits into what we're going to do and help us win games. Everybody tell me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I wanted to leave? I'm out here working, baby. That's up? First voice you heard was Jonathan. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the uh, Cardinals, back in late March, talking about Isaiah Simmons, followed by a uh, cut yesterday from an Instagram story from DeAndre Hopkins, working out, and you heard what he said? Who said wow. I wants to go? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Who would that be? Uh, now, the Simmons thing. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Well, what are you guys talking about? The All I said was the Bills are a great organization. <laughs> All I did was tweet every member of every other team in the NFL. All I did was uh, do an interview with Brian McFadden where he asked for my facial reactions on a, when he would mention teams if I would want to play with them. Around. All I did was have a professional Photoshop person put my face on every jersey in the entire NFL. Yeah. Uh, the Simmons thing, there was news yesterday. The uh, Arizona Cardinals declined the fifth-year option on Isaiah Simmons' rookie contract. He's going into his fourth year, and I know this spark. Marked a lot of reaction, Bick. Uh, and the reaction was, oh, here we go. Hassan Reddick all yep. over again. Mm-hmm. And it might turn out to be that. But I will say this. I don't have a gigantic problem with it. Yeah, I don't either. I, that, it's a lot of money to pay a guy that is that really remains all potential three years into his career. Um, I bought in hard based on what Isaiah Simmons was talking about going into last year, how he was on the brink of greatness. Turns out that that was just unfounded. Founded uh, swagger. Um, I don't have a big issue with this either. I mean, it is yes. There's a. I, I believe there's a danger here that, oh, that because, because his because his tools are are amazing, but he's not good in coverage and he's not particularly a great pass rusher. And 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 once again, the Cardinals are uh, can can be at least the previous regime are guilty of of not properly developing players and getting them in roles to succeed. Yes, uh, a lot of what you said is another reason why I don't have a big problem with it. My biggest reason for feeling that way is we've seen what we've seen from Isaiah Simmons for three years. They have struggled to find a role for him. That was under a different defensive coordinator and a different scheme altogether. Vance Joseph is gone. They're moving from a 3-4 to a 4-3. You don't know where Isaiah Simmons is going to play in Nick Rollis' defense. I agree with you. The talent level is very high. The, the the only the, the risk is, and this is where the Hassan Reddick example comes mm-hmm. in. If 
Isaiah Simmons just balls out in this defense. There might be some hurt feelings there. Like, you didn't think oh, I was yeah. good enough to pick up my option, and I just had 11 sacks for you and three uh, three pick sixes. I'm going elsewhere. That's, well, you could franchise tag him. You if, could. If, if he blows, I mean, if he blows up this year, you could, you could tag him. But but I, if he's playing, say, we're, we don't even know what role he's playing on this defense, as you pointed out. No. So, I uh, again, I, uh, initially I thought, oh, man, this, this might come back to bite him. But then I thought to myself, and I said, you know what? This is a brand-new generation. General manager is going to come in and he's going to look at the numbers and he's go okay. This guy played thirty percent of the snaps as a rookie. He only got up to eighty percent last year. Still a lot of holes in his game. The talent, the talent still outweighs the productivity. This is a no. And and again, I don't have an issue with it because it, again, it's an it's a it's a coherent philosophy um, that that I think we're watching watching unfold here. So uh-huh. I, I, I'm with you. I don't have a big issue with it. Yeah, and it's weird too. And finding roles like and I know this is apropos of nothing. But I, I just happened to look at the Cardinals' depth chart on ESPN.com, and they're struggling, like plugging players into into roles too. Zayvon Collins is listed as a defensive end. Isaiah Simmons is is the weak side linebacker. I, I mean, I don't know if these things are these things are true. <laughs> we, we don't know at this right. point because no, we don't. It's a brand new scheme. Yeah. The Hopkins thing to me is interesting mm-hmm. because apparently, you know, he's working out somewhere in Arizona. It doesn't appear that he's with the Cardinals. It certainly didn't from the Instagram story video. And I wonder if this is just DeAndre Hopkins uh, coming to the realization that Monty Ossenfort sat him down and said, look, we, we would love to move you, but we're not giving you away for pennies on the dollar just to appease you. We're trying to run a business, and, and, and we're trying to improve, so mm-hmm. sorry, bud. You're going to be playing with the Cardinals until something drastically changes. Yeah. I, I don't know it, if that's what happened, but it certainly seems that way. Well, well to me, I think I think one of a, a couple things could happen here. Either DeAndre Hopkins is smart enough to know that if, that if he goes over and starts squawking now, if he starts um, acting like a malcontent and and, and Acting frustrated that he hasn't been moved yet, I think it'd be a real, real bad look on him and for him, and for a player who is quite clearly concerned about his image and what his legacy as a football player is going to be. Um, he might have made a very conscientious decision um, to, to to kind of backtrack a little bit because, and, and there's some. Uh, this is a little bit disingenuous as well. I mean, it, it, to, to act like, wait a minute, who said I was? Go- who said I wanted to go anywhere? Well, then why aren't you with the team? Why why are you working out alone? I, I think there might be a gentleman's agreement here in place with Monty Austin Fort and DeAndre Hopkins, where it's where it's one of these things that okay, listen, we'll oblige you. We'll we'll still move you mm-hmm. if if the teams that we're talking with come correct. And and again, I am so down with that. I, I, very few things Monty Austin Ford has done has made me more happy than that because he is not taking the easy way out with this and he is not squandering an asset just to make a problem go away. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't argue with that. Um, another thing that that came up during the course of the draft, and Mike Florio wrote about this on Pro Football Talk. <laughs> I know you saw this too, Beck. Um, but it was noted. Josh Weinfuss put it out there from ESPN dot com that uh, during the three days of the draft, when there was media availability with Cardinals brass, it was it was um, mostly Monty Austin Ford. I think Dave Sears spoke on the third day following the conclusion of the draft, but Jonathan Gannon did not speak to reporters at any time during the draft. Uh, and Mike Florio had a huge issue with that. 
How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with that, but 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 I do think I do think on at some point in time, Jonathan Gannon needs to look this in the face and address this because when you talk about this illegal tampering, yeah, you can say this stuff happens all the time in the NFL, and that happens to be the truth. This stuff does happen all the time in the NFL. But as Mike Florio pointed out in that in in that piece, it takes two to telephone tango, yes. and Monty Ford has already put up his hand and said, "Listen, my bad. Shouldn't have done it. Made him." mistake. I've apologized. I, I hope you all for, will forgive me and we're going to try to move on. Jonathan Gannon, he's the one that accepted the interview and he had to know as defensive coordinator as the Eagles, just like Monty Ford should have known that this was um, illegal by NFL standards, that that he, he chose to accept that Zoom interview. He needs to address this in some shape and form, and I hope today is the day. Yeah. I hope when he's asked this by the local media that you don't get a, we've moved on from that, we're not talking about that. Th- that would be, that to me would be bothersome. Uh, I think maybe they were protecting Jonathan Gannon from maybe the national media. Certainly the Philadelphia media has an agenda towards him. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I personally, and I personally honestly believe um, the Eagles are being really... What's the word I'm looking for? Really, I, I don't know. I, I think they're being really vindictive about this in ways that are that are very dishonest. I, I, I artificially think, aggrieved is what what comes to mind for oh, me. Oh, I love that yeah. term, artificially aggrieved. Yes, because you cannot convince me for one second that conducting a Zoom interview with Monty Austin Ford for however long it took, a couple days after the NFC Championship game, when you've got two weeks to the Super Bowl, it really affected his preparation for the Super Bowl. I think the Eagles are 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 being art they're they're playing it up they're acting like Jonathan Gannon sabotaged their Super Bowl hello you're playing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs give me a break yeah it's a so, pretty it's a pretty tough task yeah and, so and I and I agree with you and, and there was a piece that came out that was written uh, by Marcus Haynes of the Philadelphia Inquirer and I had to read notes on it because it's behind a paywall and I'm not subscribing to another website but anyway the report that he put out there was that even after the playoff or the Super Bowl loss Jonathan Gannon gets the notification, whatever, you're going to interview with Arizona, that at the post-Super Bowl party, which I don't know why the losing team ever has a party anyway, but he was uh, giddy. He was described as giddy at this party in this piece. And there was a prominent Philadelphia sports blog that's been around for a long time called Crossing Broad. That it, you know, and, and one thing we know is the media in Philadelphia and the fan base, they don't like Jonathan Gannon at this point. No. But this Crossing Broad uh, blog was kind of the, the voice of reasons. Like, Marcus Haynes has written some stuff in the past that seems personal. It hasn't been all that accurate. So we don't know if this is true. And that leads me to believe that artificial, you know, being artificially aggrieved because it benefits the Philadelphia Eagles is their strategy right the, now. The fact that Commissioner Roger Goodell and the NFL's league's, league office looked at this and said, you guys figure it out. Yeah. We're not getting involved in this. Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. As in, yes. this is very, very commonplace. And and again, the idea, if, if the Eagles really are, are laying out this narrative that the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon ruined our Super Bowl, give me a break. Yeah, I agree. You're looking for a scapegoat at that point, and Jonathan Gannon's reputation among the Eagles fan base is such that people are going to buy it. Now, uh, to me, it doesn't excuse... There's a lot about this story that I still don't understand. If the Cardinals 
quote unquote self-reported this, then why did Jonathan Gannon feel compelled to spin this elaborate lie? About how this whole thing went down, that bothers me. And maybe that'll come out today. We exactly. Should. So, we, so we that's see. what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping Jonathan Gannon, like Monty Austin Ford, puts his hand up and says, "My bad." Can you get on a plane and get there before the press conference? <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, the uh, Suns' offense at times this year has all been about sharing the basketball, but when it came to crunch time last night, it was a lot of ISO one-on-one stuff. We'll get into the demise of the Suns' offense in a game two lost to the Nuggets next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.